Hello and welcome. Welcome to another ZW podcast. This is the Silicon Valley Review. With me, as always, for my Silicon Valley Reviews is Aaron Turway. Aaron, how you doing? Good, Kevin. How are you? Great, man. Good to have you in here. It's been a while since we did, I guess, since the last season. Yeah. So we are moving into season six of Silicon Valley. Before we get into the actual episode, let's talk for a little bit about the hurrah or lack thereof leading into this season. That's what I, the point I want to make is I didn't even know they were releasing this until about a week ago. I didn't know it was released until you texted me and said, <laughs> hey, Silicon Valley's back. Do you want to do a podcast? For someone who watches as much HBO as I do, I'm kind of surprised right. that yeah. there wasn't more publicity around it. So I don't know if it's lost its luster or whatnot. I do feel like I hear a lot of Silicon Valley references in mainstream media. Yeah. Right. The ticket likes to talk about it a lot. And I know yep. you and I listen to that a lot. So who knows what how, how lasting Silicon Valley can be. So let's talk about season six, episode one. So the last episode of season five ended with Pied Piper moving into their new gigantic offices. They'd taken over that company. They kind of merged with Colin's company. What was it called? Gates of Galoo, the game, mm-hmm. the VR game he has, or whatever it was, the shooter game he has. And Richard is just with his anxiety and stuff. He's kind of taken over. He was very nervous throughout the last couple of episodes. So they're moving to the new offices. And then this season opens up with him walking into Congress, right? To testify right. before Congress. Right. What were you thinking was happening there when they started that? I assumed it was the likes of Mark Zuckerberg testifying right. before Congress, you know, having to do with either advertising or data breach. And it turned out to be, you know, talking about privacy. Things. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. I, I like how they've continued to stay very current and topical, right? Right. I mean, I think for a second I thought, could he be in trouble? Right? Mm-hmm. Did he do something wrong? But then I thought, no, he's coming there to inform them right. about something. So they're talking about data privacy, and Richard goes on this somewhat interesting but comical rant about violating users or using user data where he picks up the voice machine or the speakerphone. What are those things? It's called a microphone. But no, but oh. he had this whole box that he was talking about. I, I think into. it's just sort of the antiquated technology yes, they use probably in Congress. So. so he picks that up. He's walking around with it instead of just using a microphone. And he gives this very you know, thoughtful and empowering speech about how his new decentralized Internet is not going to collect user data. Did you think that that was an affront on Facebook and Twitter and kind of the big powerhouses that yeah. are out there today? I mean, I, yeah, it was... You know, I, I felt like it was a somewhat direct challenge. You know, I, I think to sort of tie it to current events where, you know, we just saw that Twitter has said that they're not going to accept any political advertisements, sort of a direct challenge to Facebook's, you know, hey, we're not going to... Free not, speech, right? Yeah, we're not going to fact check political advertisements. I thought it was interesting to sort of see Pied Piper and Richard sort of play the anti-Facebook. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was actually really cool the way it was so current and then... You know, the Twitter feed that just came out, the Jack Dorsey tweet that just came out today, right, right, saying that they're not going to run political speech, which really, really interesting. So Richard comes out and he says, we're not going to use, you know, private data. And then he gets back to the office and that whole thing goes to hell in a handbasket. But before we get there, what are your personal views on your data? I mean, do you use incognito mode for everything? Do you turn off all your privacy settings? Yeah. So the approach that I take is... I know that if there's a service that I'm using that I'm not paying for, then they are likely using my data and I'm the product. They're taking my data and they're selling it to advertisers or whatever. And that's part of the reason that I, I'm not on Facebook. You know, I used to be on Facebook and then I just, I got uncomfortable with 
everything that was happening and you know then there's the whole Cambridge Analytica and whatever I'm aware that I am a product when it comes to Twitter when it comes to Instagram when it, you know and I, I recognize that Instagram is owned by Facebook so me not being on Facebook isn't really doubt that it costs Facebook that much money at all right. but I just you know I'm cognizant of you know wanting to limit the amount of information that's out there I think I'm aware of it. You know, I've got echoes throughout the house. Now we don't use the echoes to make lists or I don't order my groceries through the echo. We use it more to ask questions. And then we actually use them as intercoms now throughout the house, right? Because the kids have one in their room. Yeah. It's kind of annoying is at night all the time. They're just, you know, mom, can I have some water or mom, I'm scared or whatever. But I'm aware that they're capturing our information. Right. And I'm not really that concerned with it because Amazon does a good job of, of serving what we need. However, I will say I am making a conscious effort to use Amazon less only because of what I think their labor policies seem to be. Yeah. I haven't seen a whole lot of reports about how great Amazon's labor policies are. I guess one of the things that has sort of kept us from having an Echo or a Google Home, whatever, is the fact that it's always, you know, it's not always recording, but it's always listening to hear you say, hey, Alexa, Mm -hmm. or whatever. And that's sort of one of the reasons that we have said, I don't really want this. And, you know, on my iPhone, I don't have the capability turned on where I can just say, hey, Siri, and it starts listening to me just because that makes me nervous. So you get to the point to where, and I think most people have to make this decision, how much is the convenience worth? Right. Right. Because I was traveling recently and we have the Echo in the house, in the kitchen, and so I knew that at 7.20, if I could just drop in on the Echo, I could talk to my wife and the kids all at the same time. And that's really, really cool, right? That's a neat thing, good morning, how's everyone doing? And so whatever data they're capturing of mine, I think it's okay using that. Now, I haven't been really ill-affected. We had an interesting conversation about security breaches. We were talking about security breaches, and I was thinking, you know, I've never had my identity stolen or anything. I've had to cancel my credit card twice in the last three years because someone took it, right? right? Once I know I was at a gas station way out in West Texas, and I think there was a skimmer on it. So I have actually have had it compromised twice in the last three years. Right. But that's just where we are as a society. That's, that's just normal. That's yeah. not really identity theft anymore. Someone just took your credit card number, yeah. you know? It's crazy. So, yes, they're addressing this privacy thing. And then, of course, you watch the episode. Richard gets back, talks to Colin. And realizes that Colin collects a ton of information about the users. Right. And he's using it to make his game so awesome. And they're not selling it, right? But he's still using it. And so Richard comes up with this elaborate scheme to try and use that to backfire against Colin to show, oh, we've captured all your stuff. Look how you've been doing drugs. You've been breaking the law. You've been having affairs. And look how terrible you are. And then at the end, Colin's board actually loves it because it makes he can use this as a new product. Right. Which is kind of where I think we're going with the privacy thing. You know, for instance, we represent some AI companies, right? And some AI who might do, like, I know one company that does facial recognition. Mm-hmm. There's tremendous benefits for this. You know, China has published all these studies where they've picked criminals out of crowds, right? right? Just using facial recognition AI. So is that a good thing or is that a bad thing that to pick that one guy out of like 12,000? That those other 11,999 people had their faces scanned. You know, what are right. your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it's funny. We just had a neighborhood meeting. Uh, we had our neighborhood annual meeting, and one of the things that was brought up is 
we've had some property crimes and one of the solutions is there's a company out there that will install basically license plate readers in your neighborhood and so if a crime is committed and you file a police report you have access to the footage so you can see and, and it will filter out and say okay look here are the lists of license plates sure. for people that live in the neighborhood running against a local and, database and then oh but these people don't live in your neighborhood and these people were in the neighborhood at the time the, the property crime was committed and it's funny because there were a lot of neighbors that got really upset about the privacy implications mm-hmm. of that. And to sort of rebut that, the CEO of the company was at our meeting and he said, well, look, you know, nothing's stopping your neighbors from installing right. ring doorbell cameras or Nest cameras that can film the street, that can capture all the license plates that are driving down the street. So I think we live in a world right now where you are always being recorded. And I guess it all depends on what that's being used for. And so uh, it, it's really, it's a very nuanced subject. Man, I think it's a really interesting point because I'm sure you're on Nextdoor. You see yes. Nextdoor. I love the Daily Digest, by the way. But same thing, when there's some sort of a crime, you know, half the neighborhood, I feel like, says, oh, let me go check my camera. We installed some, right? We, we have one looking out the front house, and then we have the Nest doorbell or one of the doorbells. And the way the technology works, you can go to your phone and say, just show me the people that came to the door today. Right. right? It can pick it up like that. Yeah. And we're still in the real early stages of this stuff, Yeah. right? Who knows how long until it's just scanning against its own databases and telling you exactly who the person is. Right. Okay, anyway, so let's kind of zigzag through the episode because I wanted to get your thoughts on a few things. One, when they do the very beginning, the opening credits, right? I picked up they had Ease in there, which is the cannabis delivery, right? That was the only real new one that I saw or one that was interesting. This whole Hawaii thing, they're trying to sell something to Hawaii. They're going to put decentralized internet on Hawaii. Dinesh is singing Hawaii. I didn't quite get that. I didn't either. Dinesh looks like he's been hitting the gym. I think Dinesh got a few starring roles, right? I don't know if this was just a reason for him to wear a tight shirt. But, yeah, I thought that part was silly. Can we talk about the the attached chair? (laughs) How genius was that? You know, I I knew those existed. Okay. And what I will say Mm. is that, like, in my time working in the Bay Area, I never saw anybody actually wearing one. So I, was, I know I've seen I plenty of people. Sure. I've seen plenty of people rolling down the street with their little like single wheel little hoverboard things, but I've never seen somebody I pop out for one sure of those chairs. You're going to tell me that's how you go to half your meetings. There was something. That guy's name was Gabe. Yes, as upsetting as Gabe was, there was something very upsetting about Gabe. Is he was walking around with no socks or shoes on? Yeah. the whole time. Well, I mean, we all know how you feel about no socks. <laughs> it's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. So, and the Gabe thing, and then there was a little bit of just kind of office politics there, office decorum, when Gabe wants Dinesh to email him again so it'll be at the top of his inbox. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the most annoying thing, right? I mean, there is amazing search technology built into your inbox. What do you saying? He just emailed it to me again. Right. So I thought that was good. The Guilfoyle and Dinesh relationship is awesome. I think that's still great. You know, Wait, the, are you talking about the real Dinesh and Guilfoyle both. or the AI? The Guilfoyle AI versus Dinesh, and then Guilfoyle versus Dinesh, but then the Guilfoyle AI versus the Dinesh AI that uh, led to uh, shutting down the right. their system. And then Gabe, Gabe asked Dinesh, hey, did you know that the network's down? Then how long is it going to be until it comes back up? Right. Okay, so let's talk about Huli for a sec. So Gavin's still here. You know, Huli ended up having to sell to Amazon they were going to merge into Amazon and he didn't want to do that. So the guy who was negotiating, I don't know if that was his attorney or someone else's attorney. Who I, think, was that I think it was a company attorney, okay. Hooli attorney that, you know, as you then saw after the merger or the acquisition, however you want to spin it closed, 
was then an Amazon employee. Yeah. It, 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 it reminded me of a very interesting issue that comes up in mergers and acquisitions, which is, without getting too into the weeds here, the acquirer's ability to use the target's information after the closing mm-hmm. as a possible basis for fraud claim. You know, after after the deal closes, now you have access to the target's books and you can say, oh, well, these numbers aren't how they portrayed them at all. And now you have a potential fraud claim. So that it just it, that's a really interesting thought, not to mention getting that caliber of employer, that level of employee to now be on your side. Right. right? Another thing that we talked about, Aaron, prior to hopping on here was that the attorney, I think it was the attorney, told Gavin, well, you already signed the binding term sheet. Right. I can't imagine there's a whole lot of hundred million 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 dollar deals that are are being closed off of a binding term sheet yeah in my what seven years of practicing law i've seen very few binding term sheets if if any at all that there there will be sections of a term sheet that are binding Correct. but the terms yeah. the actual deal terms are not binding. you know and i felt that early on in the show they had to accelerate a lot of the legal process just because of the timing of things right. right and they had to make a lot of assumptions I feel like we've kind of moved on from the whole venture world at this point in time. This is just yeah. a small business. But that was an interesting point for any lawyers out there that might be listening. You're just not going to see a binding term sheet for a deal of that size. I got a couple of other notes. Colin said if you wanted to, you could even get porn of his sister, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. I mean, you talk about like the spectrum of how good or bad these people are, right? Colin seems to be the worst. Right. And then you have Richard, who is, I think, thinks of himself as being the best and tries to be the best, but, you know, is conflicted when it comes to... Okay, I wanted to bring up that point. So Richard has not, that we know of anyways, ever really been tasked with actually generating profit, right? Yeah. And so now I'm thinking this might be a plot line in the future, a topic in the future is they are capturing all this data. They were very clear in the episode that Galoo, actually, I think they did say this, that Gates of Galoo keeps the lights on for everyone else. Right. So if Richard's tasked with you spin off Gates of Galoo because you don't like their privacy policy, and then you have to fire a bunch of people or you keep them, because who knows how far away he is from actually developing the decentralized internet. So that'll be interesting. And that got me thinking about Jack Dorsey's tweet today and Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, I think at this point in time, Mark Zuckerberg has enough money that he just doesn't care. Right. He doesn't need money. But what if his board is saying, no, we're not turning off the political ads. Are you kidding me? Those represent a huge chunk of our revenues, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, obviously, I don't know Mark Zuckerberg, but he seems like somebody who he seems more profit-seeking than Richard, obviously, mm-hmm. and he seems like somebody who you know it thinks about things from a very pragmatic point of view. Where you know, if he's running Facebook and Facebook's job is to make money. If there is a way for him to make money for the company, then he's going to do that. And, you know, maybe he doesn't look like the best person coming out of it. But if he can help increase the profits at this company that he started in Storm Room, then I think, you know, he's going to do it. Okay. So the last part, you know, Jared's reminiscing about his relationship with Richard. That's kind of going away. Richard's growing up. He doesn't need Jared as much. Jared inadvertently drives to Ehrlich's old house or their co-working space or their incubator. And... There's some girl there named Quart. Yes. I think Quart was interesting. I thought that Jin Yang said something interesting. He said, you know, she has a great idea, but no actual plan, which I thought was pretty telling or spot on. Like, you see that quite a bit. And so maybe Jared will find out that he just loves incubating these young yeah. entrepreneurs. I mean, that is, there's a reason why 
investors like to invest in teams of people, not right. just one person. Yeah. Because normally you'll have the technical co-founder who knows the technology, who has the idea. You'll have the business co-founder who can handle the business plan, sales and marketing, go-to-market strategy. So, yeah, it, it, maybe that is Jared's role in you know the startup ecosystem is he's not somebody who's going to he's going to take you from zero to one and then beyond that, you know, maybe he'll be useful for a little bit, but his, his true value is in taking the idea and turning it into a business. And that absolutely exists in the startup ecosystem. You need people like that, right? Kudos to him for maybe figuring out where his best value lies. He might not be the right guy to lead a team of 20 sales and biz dev guys, but he might be great for helping an early stage company incubate. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited to be back doing this, Aaron. I'm not sure how many episodes there are. Maybe try and do a little more research and get a little more detail on that next time. But that wraps up this podcast of Silicon Valley Review. This was season six, episode one. Make sure you check out our other podcasts. They're available at Vela Wood Law forward slash podcast. Make sure you rate and review. Five stars only. On Apple Podcasts. The Veilowood podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, Silicon Valley Review, and Vegan Juice on Apple Podcasts. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at